This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Welcome to our very first full episode of Killing Time, hosted by two girls, one goth. I am so fucking excited right now. I'm nervous. Like, it's our very first episode of any podcast we've ever done, and I am so freaking stoked. We are in person. You guys are so close. I can touch you. We're drinking Aperol spritzes. We're having a good time. Honestly, it does feel like cosmically it's all aligning it's our first time recording again in person and it's we're launching this brand new sort of baby episode to accompany the first degree we're super excited because the gang's back together and killing time's sort of taken on its own uh personality and identity and we're here for it i do have a question have you now named this killing time because we made this outline and it was k-i-l-l-i-n apostrophe is this now the new thing, killing time? Isn't it killing time? No, it's not. It's, it's killing time. Killing yes. time. In the proper Queen's English. Yes. Well, I, Killing time. The whole, the whole debate was, is it killing time or is it the killing time? And now you're trying to throw a wrench in and killing time. Killing time I'm cool with. I, I liked the killing time because it was like the killing moon, yes. which is a, one of my fave all-time songs of yes. all time. So, But I've let that go. Killing time works. Killing Killin time, time was just me being lazy yes. and through, mispronouncing it. Through the thick and thin, we will wait until we call this the killing time. Oh, wow. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that was... Profound? I'm not sure. Well, you know what? It wouldn't be an episode of The First Degree if we didn't talk about the day. So, Billy, what day is it today? All right. So, we know we try to lighten the mood on The First Degree by starting with the day. And the day is most often something that was happy and fun. It's National Manatee Day. Favorite day. Yes, Favorite animal. It's Chocolate Appreciation Day. Favorite meal. Some sort of cheese day, (laughs) and then you guys go crazy. (laughs) Bread day. All this stuff. Ugh, delicious. But for Killing Time, we're going to start dark and then go bright. Before you do that, can I do something? Yeah. May is um, American Cheese Month. I just want to throw that out there. All right, now well, you're we, starting light. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're starting light, right and I have to say, we didn't even, I didn't even know this, and we're eating Cheetos, America's cheese, right now. So. Honestly, it's a sign. It is a it sign. Is, Anyways, a sign. Billy, get into your dark Sorry, day. Billy. 
Yes, it's May 6th. And on this day in 1937, the German airship, the Hindenburg, burst into flames at Lakehurst, New Jersey, killing 35 of the 97 on board and one person on the ground. Now, footage of this explosion and crash was shown everywhere, worldwide, mm-hmm, in movie mm-hmm. theaters. Now, they used to show newsreels before the movies. So to get your news and actually see it, oh. you used to watch newsreels before the movies. That's, right. what, that's what would happen. So, And the radio call of this event from a reporter named Herb Morrison from WLS Chicago became one of the most infamous in history. Have you, either of you, heard this radio call? No, I have not. Okay, so we're going to play it right now for you. Cool. It's starting to rain again. The rain had uh, cracked up a little bit. They backed motors of the ship are just holding it... uh, just enough to keep it from... It's worse than the flames. Get it started. Get it started. It's right and it's rising. It's rising terrible. Oh, my. Get out of the way, please. It's burning, bursting into flames and, and it's falling on the morning fast. And all the folks between us, this is terrible. This is the one of the worst catastrophes in the world. Oh, it's just running. Oh, four or five hundred feet into the sky. And it, it's a terrific crash, ladies and gentlemen. The smoke and the flames now. And the flame is rising to the ground. Not quite to the morning mass. All the humanity and all the planet is speeding around it. So what you just heard was the radio call, uh, which was actually a delayed radio call. It wasn't happening live, of this blimp exploding. And what you see is you see this gigantic blimp airship traveling towards uh, where it was going to be moored in New Jersey. It's near, and, and this is one of the misconceptions of it, some people think you know, it was near an electrical tower mm-hmm. right when it went into flames. And people thought, oh, maybe it sparked from the electrical tower. The official designation, the official cause of it going into flames, because it just goes into flames, and literally, I think it's within 45 seconds, it's in flames and then on the ground. Oh. I'm actually floored that... Everybody didn't die. I know people yeah. died, but everybody ha- on board did not die. Yeah. Correct. People lived. About half, yeah. Yeah, 35 of 97 died. But yeah. I'm just like, wow. that entire thing was engulfed in flames and turned into like a skeletal... It was mm-hmm. like a fireball coming down and crashing on the ground. Right. Yeah. I'm like, how did anyone survive that? Holy shit. And what are th- what regimen are they on? Because I can't even sit in this chair without a back on it <laughs> for longer than 20 minutes. <laughs> and uh, you are not in a blimp crash. <laughs> exactly. So the, the airship was designed to be filled with helium. Right. But the U.S. did not allow... Uh, uh, helium to be exported, so it was filled with hydrogen, and hydrogen is very flammable. And they said that it was due to some sort of uh, atmospheric electricity. Electricity, excuse me, like so, some some sort of discharge. Something happened in the air. Something happened with the hydrogen. Boom, and then it went up. <sighs> I now, think using flammable gas in general for human transport probably isn't a good idea. Might not be the best idea. idea. Should rethink. Right. So, so you know the phrase. Oh, you oh the humanity, which is what he says at mm-hmm. the at the end there. Oh, the humanity. There you go, Billy. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> you know it's we're, been... <laughs> we were all thinking it, and we usually let Billy just get. I don't by. know. Wait, me and Alexis had this conversation too about where I got the you from and not putting the humans. Humans. You. Humanity. I don't know where it's from. I said, "Isn't it Long Island?" And she's no. like, "No, I grew up on Long Island." No. I mean, isn't I, the only person that I really love it from is Bernie Sanders. Okay. I don't love it from you. <laughs> wow. Sorry, Billy. Interesting. So, uh, in popular <laughs> culture, though, we see in the uh, uh, season eight, episode 16 of Seinfeld, which is the pothole, 
which is when Newman is driving the postal truck and it bursts into flames and he yep. yells, oh, the humanity. Amazing. Uh, on The Simpsons season four, Lisa the beauty queen, a Duff beer blimp crashes into a broadcast antenna. Catches on fire, mm. and then the reporter exclaims, "Oh, the humanity!" Well, that was an actual blimp, so they were yes. actually pulling directly from that. Of course, yes, interesting, yes. smarter and, than uh, I expected. Yes, uh, so it, smart from Heather's WKRP in Cincinnati. But it was also the image of the Hindenburg bursting in the flames gave us the image for the cover of Led Zeppelin's first album. Classic. Who said, oh, the humanity? Who said it? Wasn't it the reporter on the team? Yeah, it was her. Is her Morrison? He was the reporter there. And what? Was he ever questioned about his choice of words? I mean, well, his choice of words through that entire thing was so theatrical. I mean, yeah, it, it belonged in a movie. Well, I feel like they just valued back then the human spoken word yes. much more than today's youth does. Well, With, everything was way uh, more beautiful. W-Y-D. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Where are you at? W-Y-A. Like, that's not... You know, like texting. Mm -hmm. Well, the spoken okay. word was all you had back in the day for the most. Yes. Well, it wasn't, but it yes, was it's way all, more it's, important. It's, it's all we had for a really, really long time until these this whole texting situation. You own that, Billy. Yes. You own your value of the spoken word own, decades I'm going to own my own that. <laughs> well, this and is why Billy is a very good speaker. Valuable asset. And a valuable degree. asset where like, we bring a level of ditziness, even though we are very smart, but it's because of brilliant, our brilliant, brilliant ditziness, but it's because of our generation, the older generations, and Billy goes far beyond us back in the day. All right, so basically has it's one generation old -timey before you. kind of a... Uh, Old-timey? <laughs> man, un man under the bridge kind of high. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm the generation of grunge. You can't say that I'm old-timey. Well, you should Billy, back if, and forth in the snow. Billy, if that was true, you wouldn't wear that news cap. Yes. You know That's what? not grunge. The newsy cap shows his true age. age. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, Billy. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Thank you for your history lesson. I do like... I like this bringing it back in history for the day. This is great. It's true because true crime... I mean, we were discussing this briefly off air, but the past is even worse than the present with true crime. And it seems as though present day there's more violence than ever there's more suffering than ever but that's not really true if oh, you look at just, the middle ages there mm -hmm. was far more suffering well, just, just wait 15, yeah. wait 15 minutes and yeah, then you're, yeah, gonna yeah. Hear, you're gonna hear some more from me okay well we will get into that in a bit but for now we've got some bitching to do hard bitching please rise court is now in session all rise call the first witness how do you plead guilty or not guilty Okay, so since this is our very first episode of Killing Time, we're going to introduce you to our different sections so you can become familiarized with what we're talking about. So our first section is called On the Stand. So everybody out there has an unpopular opinion about something, a controversial stance about something, a hill that you're going to fucking die on. And this is regardless of how ridiculous it is or how meaningless it is in the whole scheme of life. So every week, what we're going to do is each of us is going to bring something to trial. And it's going to be backed by evidence of why it's either being prosecuted or defended. And topics can be literally anything. The most popular would be pineapple on pizza, right? But it can be anything from that to why you hate Jody Arias singing Oh Holy Night. So we're going to bring these things to the table and then the other two will vote whether it is guilty or not guilty. Yes. Are yes. we ready 
to begin on the stand. Yes. I think I'm ready. Yeah. Alexis, you go first. Okay. I'm here today (laughs) to put Elon Musk on the stand. Oh, okay. So there are several reasons, but the most infuriating reason, well, let me run through the problems I have with Elon Musk. Okay. So Elon Musk, rich guy, right? From South Africa. The richest guy. Sure. And he basically, this whole Tesla thing, right? Yeah, we get it. (laughs) Then he's like, I'm going to build subterranean tunnels under cities. Mm -hmm. And your Tesla will lock into a track and shoot at rapid speed under a city. And many cities have given him money for to do this, right? Doesn't work. (laughs) Doesn't work. No one talks about how it doesn't work. What you have to do is drive down and then an employee gets in your Tesla and drives you 35 miles an hour underground, 1.1 miles in LA is the short one. And it's like, wait, these things are actually built and running? No, they're built. They don't work. Yeah, they haven't actually gone to the working phase. It doesn't work. They did, and it didn't work. Okay. And no one talks about it. Well, they wanted to do the Hyperloop to San Francisco from LA. Doesn't work. Okay. There's other problems with Elon Musk. You know, he named his baby. His First of all, no one knows. He had kids before, right? He has full-grown adult kids. Yeah, like six or something wild. Yeah. The name they gave their baby is like XY something. But my biggest problem is that the technology doesn't work and Teslas are bursting into flames. This is so interesting that of all the things that you would hate on for Elon Musk, you're focusing on the Hyperloop. Yeah, I have a problem with it. Okay. Because also taxpayers pay for it. LA County gave them ton- gave them tons of money to develop this. No one talks about how it doesn't work. It was a huge failure. Mm. Um, we could have built like 30 Disneylands to appease Billy's strange appetite for such things <laughs> with that money. <laughs> you know, let me, let me just stop you right there. Okay. Am Billy I, am has I been sitting to, here. Am I allowed to rebuttal? It's of course. Jump in, Billy. Okay, you're gonna de- you can rebuttal if you're not gonna defend Elon. Oh, I guess you can rebuttal. That's a courtroom. That's the in whole. Fact. That's yes. The whole, yes. Now, Harry, Harry. I would not necessarily build 30 Disneylands, but I might build 30 <laughs> no, monorails that I, are traveling. This isn't on the stand. Elon the, Musk is on the stand. I understand that, but I'm just, uh, but I'm Alexis, just saying that right now. But Elon not, Musk. No, no, no. You said Elon Musk is on the stand, but the Hyperloop is on the stand. Also his child's name. And his child's name. You know what? I am all for Elon Musk. I'm all for a guy that's like, you know, I'm going to build this. I'm going to build spaceships. I'm going to do this and that. Yeah. We need people wait, like that. Wait, I why? dig it. I would rather have people like that than people that are just sitting wait, there in a pile of money. Be more specific about the positive impact Elon Musk has had. I will, Listen, I will he, jump he in. Has, to... he, has, he has ushered in um, uh, electric cars and everybody is following suit. He's the first person to actually make an electric car. Prius did that. Prius did that. Prius did a hybrid. Who it wasn't killed a fully the electric, electric car. car documentary? The EV1. The EV1 was an electric car way before Elon Musk. Lobbyists destroyed all of that. I understand that, but 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 he he got it done. He didn't. I'm going to jump in. From what Billy was saying, I think all billionaires are pretty much pieces of shit. And billionaires should not exist. However, I think that Elon Musk is the only billionaire that is at least trying to propel humanity into the next phase. Hell yes. He's trying to do something good for humanity as a whole rather than just collecting more billions of dollars while everybody else is suffering, especially through the pandemic. I would would also say... Are you sure that's what his motives are? I would say Richard Branson does that too. And I'd say Bill Gates does that too. I mean, I am an Elon Musk I'm, I'm stan. Elon, yeah, I dig it. I'm so into it. I'm so into it. There are it. so many billionaires I, that are doing so much work. Well, yes. I fucking think I know how this trial is going to go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so, verdict, Jack? 
Not guilty. Not guilty for me, too. Appeal is being filed. There's no appeals. Okay, Jack, you're up. All right. On the stand for me, first episode of Killing Time, something almost as controversial as pineapple and pizza, it's cilantro. Ooh. It's cilantro. I'm prosecuting cilantro. This is why. So if you're somebody like me, you think that cilantro tastes like soap. It's disgusting. Do either of you think cilantro tastes like soap? No. I don't know. I think that's like a 23andMe question when you do your... So it is a 23andMe question. So it's from the olfactory receptor gene, OR6A2, and it picks up on the smell of aldehyde chemicals. And these are found in both cilantro and soap. So if you have this gene... You are special, and it makes cilantro taste like soap. It's genetic, right? So 4 to 14% of people have this gene, and this is a low percentage. However, cilantro haters are the fucking loudest. They're visceral you in know, their hatred. You know, like you knew I hated cilantro. Very much. I make it known all of the time. So what I'm proposing is that cilantro, it gets put in food when you don't know. And for somebody like me, it really fucks everything up because I thought I was just having delicious guacamole, but cilantro is all mixed in it. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I'm against cilantro. And I think that it would make the world a better place if cilantro was put on the side as an Mm. additional thing rather than just Mm -hmm. putting our food and ruining it for the rest of us. So you propose that it's added as a large garnish, perhaps like a sprig of cilantro so you could easily remove it from a side of a meal. Like a sprig. You know how parsley is used. Nobody is eating parsley. So maybe you just add the cilantro on the side. You can add it into your guacamole if you like. They blindside you with parsley sometimes. Yeah, they chopped do. up par- chopped parsley. I've added into meals and recipes. Oh yeah, mm. absolutely. What are your thoughts on cilantro? My thoughts on cilantro, I completely agree. If it's gonna if it's gonna ruin ten percent of the population's experience, because up hey, this tastes like you know soap. Ten percent's not that much. Yeah, but you know what? But ninety the, is the majority. No, yeah, the haters you know are I, the I, loudest. Are ninety really like? Oh, this cilantro is awesome. No, they're not. So I'd rather not <laughs> ruin somebody's night for ten percent rather than have ninety percent of the people be like. I didn't. I didn't even taste it. So my verdict is guilty. Alexis, all right. I have an alternate perspective on this. So when I like cilantro, it's in a meal like a ceviche, mm. and I want fish, raw fish, to taste kind of like soap. Like I want a clean, lemony, zesty. You don't want anything to taste fishy. And this is why cilantro works here. Mm. You want like, you want it to taste like. Cilantro is not zesty. Mm, With lemon it is. You (laughs) want it to. lemon. mm, You want it to taste like your fish took a bath before you ate it. Okay. So like this is when cilantro works. your point. You know? So it's like, ooh. No, but this is different though because you don't have the genes. You don't understand the type of soap that I am tasting. But I I am tasting. I'm not tasting the feel of soap. I'm tasting if you put a soap bar in your mouth yes, and took a bite. You're washing your mouth out with like soap. Christmas story style. Yes, Ooh, that's a lot. All right. Well, my instinct, because I like cilantro, is to do the selfish thing and say not guilty. Defend the cilantro. That being said, it doesn't make that much of an impact in my life. I hardly eat it. I'm gonna say Jack's right. Cilantro's guilty. Out with it. Yes. Or at least let people opt in. It, let people opt, opt in. in. Love that. All right, Bill, your turn. All right. We've been flying around a lot 
And one of the things that I just have to talk about, flying with shorts on. Flying? <sighs> particularly... Flying like in a plane? Yes. Yes, particularly... Wow, this is a good one. Yes. It's just because when you're in a plane, and particularly if you're in coach... Yes. We don't always get to fly business class or first class. No. We're in true crime, okay? <laughs> We're saving the money for the investigations. Is that right? But <laughs> okay. you're next to somebody, they're rubbing their naked legs up against yours. Yep. I can't have it anymore. Throw on some sweatpants. It, they're just as comfortable. I am putting on trial wearing shorts on the plane. People used to get dressed up to, yeah. to travel. They used to wear yeah. suits. I'm not saying go all the way towards that, but for the love of God, <laughs> please put on some pants. There is an entire episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm about this. About shorts? Yeah, where Larry is sitting next to a guy wearing these shorts, and it's just, it's disgusting. It's the same reason why nobody should be wearing a flip-flop on the plane. Nobody wants to see your feet, especially do not put a bare foot up on the seat in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's let also, me, planes let, are meant to be freezing. So why are you wearing a short? I once saw the most ironic thing I've ever seen of all time. There was a person who was wearing shorts and also had flip-flops. He had kicked off his flip-flops and he was in the first seat mm-hmm. right before first class. So there was a wall in front of him. Right. He actually had his feet up on the wall. But What's ironic about it? He was watching... Curb your enthusiasm. That's a full circle moment, though. That's a full... And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. No, they're just... I think there should be some rules. I mean, I know there's no dress code for flying, but a dress code should be just cover up. Yeah. Sure. All right. Verdict? Well, I have thoughts I have to process all out, of course. Um, First of all, I struggle with this because people who love their legs, I hate them all because I have a strange relationship with my own legs. Same. You know, like when I was younger, I was so he's tall. Talking, he's talking about men. It's full. Right? Th- I'll get there. I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to make this a man, woman. When thing. I was okay. young, I hated being tall. So I hated having long legs. And then as an adult, you're like, I go through this constant, um, uh, stress of like, how sh- is this too short? Will I have to bend down for things? Will a strange man at the mall have a mirror on his shoe and come up behind me mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and look under my skirt, look in my shorts? So I'm jealous of a person who's so emboldened and so confident in their life that they can wear shorts on a plane because it would never happen to me. I'd be like, let's wear sweatpants and then like stretchy pants underneath or some shit. That being said, <laughs> it is gross to have sticky legs because I'm also sweaty. Mm. So on a plane, I'm like, either freezing or sweating. Yeah. And like, you wouldn't want your legs sticking on this leather because although they are sanitizing planes, they're not going seat to seat. So I'm going to have to say guilty. Keep your legs in the shame of your sweatpants. <laughs> and keep, keep your shame <laughs> bottled up in those sweatpants. Right. Like, like co- everybody keep else. Keep your self-esteem for your more um, alone moments. Okay. And I support your legs, but only to a degree. Jacqueline? I mean, guilty. This is something <laughs> that I've always stood by, but honestly, more for the feet. But I know that wasn't the that wasn't the topic, but they, you know, they connect. The legs connect to the, the feet. The leg and the foot are cousin, close just, cousins. It's an appendage. Yeah. So The foot bone does connect to the leg bone. Guilty. All right. Well, when we come back, Billy 
is taking us back in time for a true crime rewind. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program. And it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally. First with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. True crime. Yeah, it's rewind time. Welcome back, everyone. You know, true crime is as old as time. And seeing as I am the elder statesman of this motley crew, I'm going to <laughs> rewind <crew>. back. <laughs> To the 18th century BC, when the earliest documented executions were taking place, because Ooh. we are going to be talking about executions. Okay. Now, the first... Billy, before you continue, yes. why is it important to go back and revisit our true crime history? Good question. The reason that we always want to study history 
is so we don't repeat it. Ooh, I couldn't have thought that was going to be the answer that you're going to give. Certainly not. Yes. It used to be you wanted to study history before the internet so you could seem smart at a bar. Mm. But mm. the internet came and now it's like, I can just Google that. and you're Literally fine, Google so, it and yeah. they'll think I'm like paying um, my tab via my phone. Like, so why, I could just be Google. Yeah. Why exactly. did I ever take a math class? I why did we go to school? Ex- ex- Exactly. Now that you have Google, <laughs> you, yes, go which, is, which is the entire reason why civilization is going to hell. I don't know how to pay hell. my taxes. <laughs> Same. So, you know, the first established death penalty laws were the Code of King Hammurabi of Babylon. Harambe. Now, that was <laughs> the death penalty for 25 different crimes. Well, Hammurabi came up with the quintessential sort of eye for an eye ideology, correct? Wasn't it? That was sort of his thing. Well, you know what? The eye for the eye, tooth for a tooth, uh, that has been interpreted in a couple different ways in the Bible. And the mm-hmm. eye for the eye, some say it's just, okay, you you hit me, I hit you, you kill me, I kill, you know, yeah, I kill yeah. your family, whatever. Some people say like eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth should be like, it just ends there. Okay, you take my eye, I take my eye. And then we're done. And then we're done. Yeah. So I but, think this is a little... But people who are against the eye for eye... An eye thing, say an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. It does. But the thing is about the eye for an eye mentality is that the whole idea behind true crime and behind punishment, it's not necessarily supposed to be equal retribution. It's supposed to be what's justice? What's just? How do we curb this from happening again without uh, creating the same kind of viciousness that we're punishing you for? And I think it's interesting and important that we look at like, executions through history through that lens? Are we achieving that? Well, in the 7th century BC, there was something called the Draconian Code of Athens, which made the death penalty applicable to all crimes. All cr- you stole crime. something, you're done. Which wow. was like, you know, you can sort of see that. Back in the day, they were just like, all right, we want justice. We're done with all this. You do anything bad, we're going to, which is which is awful. Well, Billy, looking back though, remember Disney movies, Aladdin? Remember mm-hmm. when he was about to steal the bread and they almost cut off his hand? Yes. Like mm. shit used to be, and I'm bringing this back because you're a Disney guy. Mm-hmm. Like we see sort of glimmers of this stuff even like through even content yes. for children. Yes. So it's important to understand. So if you ever heard anyone use the term draconian, like that's, that's a draconian law, that's a cr- draconian rule of college that you're not allowed to do this or that. That's where that comes from. I actually didn't know what that meant. And mm-hmm. I hear I that all the either. time. I would not and pretend I knew. There you go. <laughs> so, and their death, death sentences were carried out with drowning, beating to death, burned alive, impalement. But the most famous capital punishment in Western society is crucifixion. Right. Now, the Romans used it to punish pirates, slaves, and enemies of the state, and it was very public, and it was meant to humiliate and also serve as a warning, because it was very just, you're right there, person's naked, everybody's watching. Across, everybody's watching. And in the Old West, we saw that people would use hanging as a measure of, you know, don't steal cattle. Mm. You know, we saw this in Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean, don't steal stuff. So we're going to hang uh, your, 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 your body outside so nobody steals anything. So, But what they were doing back in the day, um, the Romans used crucifixion. Now, if you've ever seen... Now, crucifixion wasn't just you're crucified. There was actually steps for it. It wasn't just putting you up on the cross. So if you saw the Passion of the Christ, that was pretty accurate. You started with the scourge, which is where the prisoner is stripped naked, 
beaten and, uh, you know, really almost bloodletted. Like a lot of blood is, you know, just, they're just, and if you ever saw Passion of the Christ, they use this uh, kind of a, 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 a mace type of thing where with, with a bunch of, uh, I guess it's needles or, or whatever that you would throw into somebody's back and then it would stick in somebody's back and then you'd rip it out and mm-hmm. then all of their flesh would rip out. So you had that going for you. Then, okay, you're going to have to take your this horizontal beam that you're will going to be uh, uh, tied to and, and nailed to throughout town so everybody can see you and see, you know, how, how bad of a person apparently that you were. Well, there was a shaming aspect. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I mean, there was a public dis- shaming aspect. Well, and I think there's this undeniable um, intertwining of death and also shame, like public hangings, public guillotine executions, burning at the stake, like all of that stuff had a public component. Mm. And it was, I think mostly additionally, is to scare everybody who's watching yeah. into submission. It was all meant for order. Yeah. That's yeah. all it was meant for. And which is interesting that we don't do that now. You know, we don't have public public uh, executions now. So the person is then nailed to the cross uh, via their wrists, not via their hands, but actually via their wrists, and um, hoisted up. And the cause of death would range from uh, asphyxiation to heart failure to dehydration. But here's the thing. The guards would have to wait until the person was dead. And sometimes the guards, these Roman guards, would be like, I'm, I want to leave because sometimes these people would, would last a really long time up there. So mm-hmm. they would deliberately fracture like the tibia or the fibula. They would spear stab wounds uh, into the heart, uh, sharp blows to the front of the chest just to kill the person. They're trying to get it over with. They're trying to get it over with. They're so they to go home with, yeah. and get their job over with. And yeah. then, Jesus. Oh, and then the animals. Brutality. Then the humanity. Oh, the, the humanity. humanity. Then animals would come and birds would come. And then, you know, you weren't allowed to bury them either. So they would, they, they so would, they would leave the bodies out then. Mm-hmm. So they'd be like publicly desecrated and all more to thwart everyone watching. That's right. Into submission. Yeah. Wow. So, so here's some other ancient ways of putting people to death. Stoning. Mm-hmm which is where you are just in a circle and people just start throwing stones at you. What a counterproductive, but again, it's all the process. The process was part of it. It's like, how do we... And then, But then everybody else is the person that is putting you to death because wasn't mm. that a public thing? We saw this or, in Handmaid's yeah. Tale. Exactly. I was thinking of the Handmaid's yeah, Tale. Exactly, yeah, exactly, where it's like everybody, then you also share some of the blame mm-hmm. and then it stops you from uprising. It stops you from rebellion. Like It's a very interesting way to get other... But then it also gives involved, and it also gives these people a sense of power because they're the ones that are putting the other person to death yes. and accountability that they start to monitor their peers, right? Mm-hmm. So even though in Handmaid's Tale is a perfect example, even though they're all slaves, yeah, right, some become more pious than others, and like they hold the others to account. Which ones can I trust? Whatever, because you are involved in the punishment right. of your peer. So it's a very way psychologically to get the most people under control as possible. Right. So there's uh, Crushed by Elephant. What what culture did this? I need to know more. Now, this was used in South and Southeast Asia, particularly in India. Okay. There was also burning. There was flaying. You know what flaying is? No. I used to think the word flay and filet were the same, but it turns out not so much. 
flaying is the skin is removed from the body. Oh, that's awful. Yes. No. Then there is also quartering. Now, you know what quartering is? Quartering? Yeah. Quartering. Putting okay. a body into four pieces. It's having your four limbs. And one of the ways they would do this was they would attach... Braveheart. Hang on one second. <laughs> they would attach four ropes... Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, your... no. That's enough. We get it. To your arms and legs. To your yeah, arms and legs. And, and attach those to four horses? horses. Yeah. And then the horses would go in opposite directions, that's... tearing you into... Quarters. quarters. There you go. Braveheart. Freedom. All right. Hang on one second. With the Braveheart. <laughs> uh, there is probably no that is. Now, the hanged, if you've ever heard uh, hanged, drawn, and quartered. So oftentimes people would be hanged from the neck, but they would be removed before death. So then they would be drawn, which which means disemboweling. That's what you saw in Braveheart. Oh, my God. Which was the, you know, a um, you'd put somebody on a wooden block You'd slit open their abdomen, you'd remove the entrails and the other organs, and then you might decapitate them or might not. But you would, you, it would be a really long, because you're removing their digestive tract, but you're not removing, typically you're not removing their heart or lungs, so they're still living, but it's just, it's very painful, as you saw in... Braveheart. Braveheart freedom. There you go. Okay, yes. <laughs> and then there's quartering, which is dividing the body into four pieces, and the man's yeah, head and the quarters... Enough. W- I'm good. Be, I'm okay. good. Actually, right. yeah, we're good, Billy. Thank and you. Enough. They, and a lot of times they threw his balls into a fire. Cool. Wow. Okay. okay. So, well, but I will say this. So, in you should have led with that. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I buried I mean, the lead. Balls in a fire. Yeah. Sounds like a punk rock band. Yeah. So, in the U.S., since 1976, 1,352 people have been put to death via lethal injection. 163 via the electric chair. So that's what we use right now. Some states have uh, uh, have abandoned uh, the death penalty. Some states still use it. I will say that the death penalty, uh, while I'm not necessarily for it, I am for it in terms of the, the fact that it is a good negotiating tool when you're trying to get information out of a prisoner who's not giving... It's literally the only good thing about it, though. Mm-hmm. I, agree. I agree. Like, and it's it's... This negotiating tactic, it's so sparsely used compared to the number of executions and executions of innocent people we can prove today. I I don't think that's a great um, reason to use it, but here we are. When we come back, we're going to talk about the worst thing you've ever done. Yes, you, the listener, the worst thing you've ever done. We'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, TruthFinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. TruthFinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. What's the worst thing you've ever done? 
all of you out there pretending you're good people, <laughs> I fucking know you've done something you're so mortified to admit because I have one. Oh, I'm not yeah. going there yet because yeah. we got to build trust in this relationship. As you listen to Killing yeah. Time, I'll slowly feel safe, safer and safer and in the trust tree to share the worst things I've ever done. In fact, the only person who knows the worst thing I've ever done is Billy. What? Yeah. Wait, I don't even know this? Nope. This is going to be something that you're going to share, though, to the entire world? I don't think I can ever tell the world this one. But the only reason Billy knows is because we were on the road, and I think we were both so downtrodden and beaten down, and we, like, swapped a secret once because we were like, I hate you. You hate me. Let's, let's, like, build on this. You can't be talking about this if you're never going to share it one day. Eventually, eventually I'll share it. it. But you know what she's talking about? I absolutely do. It's going to take some time. I cannot believe, as your best friend, you've never told me about your... Approve. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't approve. Okay. But anyways, the point is, the point of this segment is that, like, listen, everybody has done something they regret. Everyone was pressure testing morality or yeah. pressure testing how they'd feel about something when they were growing up. Something they can Or not growing up. Or not. <laughs> or like but, yesterday. <laughs> my point is the things that I've done, it's like it's it's in these metamorphosis stages in our lives where we're like figuring out who we are or who we were and we test our emotions and we test our empathy and things like that. So again, this is a non-judgmental segment. But we all know you fucking have done this. Yes. So there are things that keep everyone up to the wee hours of the morning and the night. So it's not necessarily a heinous crime, like what we talk about on the first degree, but it's something that eats at you. And we really want you guys to send us your experiences and talk to us about it because I promise it's not as bad as you think. <laughs> or sometimes it is. Or sometimes it is. But, but addressing and discussing the, the implications of these things we've done and, and really measuring, are they bad or are they not? Mm-hmm. Or are they human? Are they or part are, of are part of growing up or part of change right. or are they like a collective experience that everybody has done the same kind of a thing and everybody has that experience or is this something that's so fucked up and so <laughs> uniquely you that you got to get it off your chest and you should own that shit maybe that you're shit. a revolutionary maybe you're a pioneer in society and, and, and you listen, should know that we want the worst thing that you have ever done yes. and I want to make this super clear. You're completely anonymous. anonymous. No one will know what's anonymous. you. But if you want to have your the temperature of your what you've done taken yes. without judgment, no one will know what's you. This is the place to do it. So it's got to be listener generated. So you guys have to send us your stories. So you can email us a voice note. We want a voice note at the worst thing at the first degree podcast.com. That's ideal. Send us a voice note. Or if you're daring enough, that's well, kind of similar to sending a voicemail, but the point is, send us and leave us a voicemail at 323-539-3516. We want to hear your voice. Yes. It's anonymous, but know this. If if you leave a voicemail, we can air it on our show. We will not out you as the person. If you send us an email, we will never say your name. You are totally anonymous, and it's a way to see how people feel about the thing you've done. Yeah. Maybe it's not as bad as you think. Well, I think the differences between sending a voice note is that somebody could go over it a bunch of times and record it one time, two times, three times to make sure they got yeah. it right. I love the voicemail. The voicemail oh, yeah, is just... Too. One and done. One and it's done. Gone. We want you to call at night. Maybe you've had a few drinks and <laughs> just like- let it let it fly because you know what? There's, there's no judging here. And wait, I know that some people 
actually aren't confident in doing that. So you can also email us in a text form and we will read it aloud, but we are really pushing everybody to send us our voice notes because we love hearing your voice. It adds such a great aspect to our podcast. So pushing for that, let us know your shit. Dude, we're stoked. And I promise I will take your side. I'll be like, listen, (laughs) she stole her mom's pearls and she was entitled to them. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to feel good about your decision, this is the place That's for you. That's the place to go. Yeah. That's right. I mean, I, my like my gift and my curse is I take our guest side mm-hmm. pretty much always. Yes. So you can guarantee that you will not feel worse after it's on our podcast. You'll yeah. probably feel better because I, as a contrarian, generally take the underdog side. You will stroke an ego. Yes. For the love of God, yes. Now, we've already gotten... A lot of submissions so far, haven't we? I know. Well, this has been insane because we made a Facebook post about it in our Facebook group. All of our firsties were commenting shit. We got a few e- voicemails, which were like, now we need, we just need voicemails because yeah. they're so much better. They're so good. So good. But reading through everybody's stories are so fucking hilarious. And there are so many collective experiences that everybody has had. So we're going to pick our favorites and go through them in the next few episodes. That's right. And we're going to tee our first one up right now, Z's. Hi, friends. So this is like the confessional tapes. I'm leaving a message for some sort of anonymous service, but it is just after nine on Saturday. And so, oh gosh, the worst thing I've ever done. So I grew up in a really small town. Pretty, I wouldn't say poor, that would be unfair, but I would say pretty, we were scraping by. And I was a middle child, which adds a nuance to the story. But when I was about, I want to say like five or six, we had the only toy store in town. And um, for reference, a really small Canadian town, Vancouver Island, super tiny, nothing going on. So you get it. And we had a little toy store called the Red Balloon, which only now makes me laugh because whenever I think of Red Balloons as an adult, I think of it. And all of my murderino instincts. But we had this great toy store called the Red Balloon. And we went in one day because it was my sister's birthday. And a middle child and sibling's birthdays always make me mad because I always got hand-me-downs. And I saw this little eraser. It was a Hello Kitty eraser. This stupid little eraser, I think probably was 25 cents. But we had just enough to get my little sister her birthday present. And it was not enough to get me a Hello Kitty eraser. So I pocketed it. I took it home. And here's the funny part. In my kid's mind, I felt like no one is tall. So I hid it, quote unquote, on top of the refrigerator. And that makes me laugh because my dad was six foot two, but I was tiny. And I was like, surely no one will find this on top of the refrigerator. So I hid my Hello Kitty eraser. And of course, my mom, being the clever woman she is, I had bothered her about that eraser so much. And so when they found it on top of the refrigerator, they knew that obviously I had stolen it because we couldn't afford the extra, you know, 25 cents for the eraser on top of my sister's present. And they, to their credit, they made me go back and hand it back and apologize for stealing it. And we had this big lesson about how, you know, we don't have a lot And you still can't take stuff even when you don't have a lot. And it's a Hello Kitty eraser, and this is what you can do in the future. So you can buy yourself a Hello Kitty eraser. Anyway, it was 
honestly, it was the one thing that always struck me that, you know, little kids should have Hello Kitty erasers. And also, you can't just take them just because you like them when you can't afford them. And I can afford Hello Kitty erasers now. But it was like, yeah, it was the... I know it sounds dumb because I'm 42 now, and that was, like, the worst thing I'd ever done. But at the time, I'd I'd taken something because I just wanted it. So what I really... What I really appreciated about the confession of the woman we just heard Mm -hmm. is that I think we all have one of these moments in our adolescence where it's a demarcation line for us where we understand maybe morality or empathy or, or whatever. I feel like we do. These are landmarks or benchmarks, I guess, in in your childhood where you're feeling shit out, where it was a very instinctual moment where it's like, I want why can't I have yes sister got what she wants why not I get what I want and not understanding like uh you know monetary demand versus cost of goods sort of you don't understand the ways of the world and why you can't have the same thing the Jenners and the Kardashians have right like it's more and more we're gonna see this where it's like why do some people get what they want and some people don't? And I think at the most basic, when you're a child, it's like, I want, I take, right? Okay, so my experience with stealing was in, I think, maybe sixth grade, fourth, fifth, or sixth grade around then. And I, have, I feel like everybody at that age, like junior high age, I don't know about you, but we had like a kleptomaniac stage. Like everybody around me that I knew, everybody was stealing from everywhere. Like you're going to Abercrombie, you're stealing a scrunchie. You're going to this place, you're stealing a bra. Mm -hmm. So I was always very terrified. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't the stealer, but my cousin stole a few things and she had stolen a thong from jc penny oh my god that's what i i got caught at jc penny because (laughs) jc penny has a mall jail and when you get caught you get thrown into the mall jail which is just a room with one other guy in there that they lock you in which is really fucking sketchy and i hope they don't have it anymore but that's what happened to my cousin it scared me but before that the only thing the only thing i have ever taken that i didn't purchase myself that still haunts me to this day is i stole the the top of a belly button ring. Oh, bad girl. I had gotten my belly button pierced when I was like 15 years old. And I stole a little top little ring with a jewel in it. And I didn't pay for mm. it. And I remember the exact place I was in the mall. It was a mall kiosk. And they had them in the little separate things. And I took one without paying for it. Yeah, and It, it doesn't, haunts me. Yeah. It and it doesn't me. tell them. But the jewel was worth $325,000. Jewel. Jewel. What? Jewel. It's a beautiful word. Jewel. Okay, fine. What did he call it? Jewel. 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 <laughs> I wasn't jewel. Like Jewel, the girl who sings, you know, who will save your soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Jewel. Anyways, my point is, is that JCPenney got me too. JCPenney gets when you I was out of 14, all the stores. When I was 14, I stole panties yes. from JCPenney. A thong, like yep. my cousin. I, I'm actually floored at this coincidence because... 
I don't know what it is about the age of 14. Like maybe you're curious about thongs. Maybe you're not allowed to wear your own thongs. Yes, maybe that's exactly maybe what like is. you're outgrowing this like full butt underwear phase, but you're too embarrassed to ask your mom. It's like the forbidden fruit that yes. you're like really trying to go for. And all of the older girls are doing it, but like you're not allowed to ask your, yeah, it's no, a whole thing. Of course. And like, I'm not going to ask my mom for a thong and I'm not going to, you know, she'll account for my money. I'm just going to take a thong. Yes. Because I'm a sexy <laughs> woman wearing a thong who can get away with this, frankly. <laughs> you know? No. It's like, yes. Yes. I am an independent woman. This is a rite of passage. If I Still am going to wear this thong, I'm going to earn it. And it's no. getting out of this building with this thong that's not mine. There is the rite of passage <laughs> as a young 2000s millennial mm -hmm. is stealing a thong from JC Penny. <laughs> oh, 100%. And I stole several thongs. I regret it. We don't encourage stealing. We don't condone stealing. It shouldn't be part of mature, maturing into adulthood. That being said. However, it is. When they caught you, did they make you open your bag and they looked at every single thing that you had in your bag and they're like, where is this from? Yes, Where's yes, the receipt yes, from yes, this? Yes, yes, I'm like. <gasps> also, illegal. Illegal to do it. And if I had known what I know now, I'd be like, ma'am, sir, ma'am, ma'am or sir, don't put your hands on me. I'm exiting this institution Wait, but I, I didn't do that i was like yes sir take my items like so i had no idea of my rights this is what i did my parents raised me so well <gasps> and they're like never talk to a fucking stranger ever like that was in my brain that once the mall came mall cop came up to me i started screaming in the middle of the mall being like i don't know you i'm calling my mom and i ran away I did not let mall cop come up to me at all. I was like, you are not taking me into a room. I am screaming bloody murder and running away from you. Wow. Yeah. And then May Vanek, if you're listening, I'm taking applications for parental guidance <laughs> and I'd like to uh, consult you for your services. Billy, what is your stealing story? Everybody has one. I have one. I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. And I was at, and there, the karma in this is so bad. I was at a Grateful Dead show. Okay. And I'm not a Grateful Dead fan. I appreciate the, the culture. I appreciate the deadheads. And I think I had heard, a, a, like, a friend of mine saying, like, their brother had stole a t-shirt. And I was at, like, the t-shirt. Like a merch. Like, from the merch thing. Okay. Yeah. Like, so, like, so, like, from, like, the, but not the official merch. Like the people outside. Like the bootleg merch. Like the bootleg merch t -shirt. people. Yeah. Well, they shouldn't be making those anyways. So maybe you know that's what? karma. You I'm not even going to go there. No. Yeah. That's not karma. But uh, <laughs> it's like they should be making that's those, not those grilled cheese sandwiches for $2 that you, that you mm, buy in that the parking lot. That sounds good. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Go yeah. on to task. But I... Um, <laughs> like, are we hungry right yeah, now? Yeah. But I stole a uh, probably a $8 shirt from a Grateful Dead vendor in the parking lot of Nassau Coliseum. <sighs> Do you still have it? Oh, hell no. No? no. Why not? Where I mean, it's it? not worth anything because it's a bootleg. So Yeah, and it probably, like, the colors, I'm sure, ran and everything like that. But it's like, that's the only time I ever ever did it. In your whole that. life, that's the only time day. you've done an immoral yeah. thing. Did you not, feel... I, I mean, stealing, yeah. Did you feel guilt that, that did that seep in you and made you never steal again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was the one yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, this guy's just trying to, like, make you know, make some money and be able to follow the, the Grateful Dead around and everything. And I was just like... 
And I, and I took that shirt, which is also part of the whole ecosystem, I'm sure. But, <laughs> so it all, they're taking but it all, from the yeah. Grateful Dead, you take from him. Yeah, it's like yeah, the it's circle, a circle of, of life. life. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. But I will say this about Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty, uh, I remember being, a, I would never steal anything, but those Hello Kitty like little wallets mm-hmm. and like the little like notepads that had stickers and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I was so into them when I Wait, was like eight years old. I'm fascinated by this. Tell me more. Why the fuck were you into that? <laughs> <laughs> it's the whole idea of there was a store at Roosevelt Field Mall. The stores were fucking. It was cool. like Kuropi and Hello Kitty and yeah, stuff, Kuropi. right? Like That's it was like that was it was like the Japanese influence stores. And and like you would see this. They were just like small and compact and you could write little notes on it and there was like little stickers and it was just this, it was just the compactness of it. I was just really, really into it. And I had a a few of them. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that for you. You're like, I'm ready for this. Oh God. I'm sorry, Billy. You're like Lenny from Of Mice and Men with Hello, a Hello Kitty <laughs> in your grasp. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, you're yeah. like a little I'm kitty. Pet it and I'm going to it. And call I'm it George. Yep. Yeah. No. Oh boy. Yeah. That's so right. That's right. But on that Hello Kitty notepad, I will one day write the great American novel. Doubtful. Mm. Oh, my God. Firsties, we have a treat for you. Our final segment of Killing Time is one that we like to call the Costanza Stanza. And there's a backstory for this. So over the years... I have a group of best friends, and I have designated a Seinfeld character to each of them. I am Jerry Seinfeld myself. And Alexis, link letter over here, she's George Costanza. I mean, it's so obvious. Right, Alexis? Yeah. I I know um, it seems really obvious given our physical um, (laughs) characteristics and how those align. Yes. But... What's less obvious, even though that is obvious, is how we align inwardly with our personalities, our persons, if you will. Yes. So this is what we know about George Costanza. He's neurotic, self-deprecating. And on the show, he's been described as, quote, short, stocky, slow-witted, bald man, as well as (laughs) a weak, spineless man of temptations. And finally, Lord of the Idiots. That's how George refers to himself at least once across the entire series. So we thought, and honestly, this is kind of a concept that Alexis and I came up with after we had, I don't know, four bottles of champagne when we were quarantined in a New York City hotel room. Oh, yeah. We. We were crazy, but it works. This is how we honestly came up with the entire Killing Time concept for the most part. But the best part of it was the Costanza Stanza. So... I don't know if you guys have all seen Seinfeld. I hope you have. You certainly should. It's it's come on my radar that perhaps it wouldn't resonate with everyone, but it will. Mm, it will. It will. So something George Costanza said once is, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> and that's what today's Costanza stands is about. It's not a lie if you believe it. Life is yours if you only seize it. Believe your incorrect assumptions. Commit to your false presumptions. <laughs> if something comes out of your mouth and you know it's wrong, <laughs> double down on that opinion. Be twice as strong. If someone tries to correct you, try to correct them too. <laughs> if they're so sure you're wrong, make them prove it to you. I'm talking charts. I'm talking graphs. 
evidence, if you will. You might lose that friend. That's fine, though. It's chill. Because George doesn't care. George has nothing to lose. George lies because he believes it. And because he loves to abuse. Wow. <laughs> I'm that, crying. Yep. Yeah. That is so fitting. Sees the world like George Costanza. <laughs> yeah. Lies because he believes it. Oh my God. I love it so much. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.